0: what is up everybody welcome back to buddy walk with jesus as always as we get started we want you guys to know two very important things that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply um as always for all the links, for all the things, you can find BuddyWalkWithJesus.com. Um, you can find a link to the Facebook where regularly I am uh, going live every morning, Monday through Friday, um, as well as the links for to be able to uh, pick up the finest in BuddyWalk swag, as well as the Patreon to support the ministry. And last, but certainly not least, if you guys are in need of prayer, do not hesitate to reach out. Prayer at BuddyWalkWithJesus.com. So, I want to uh, welcome back to the show Pastor Brandon. We alluded to, in the last time that he was on the show, his time as a uh, traveling preacher. And you know it it, honestly it would seem like it's a it's a no-brainer to say something to the effect of you know you you go you you're part of these different churches each church does things differently you know different things like that but Mm -hmm. you have to start to develop some stories from within the field and so i think it would lend to some very valuable perspective to be able to hear some of the stories from the trenches and get that kind of perspective from what it looks like to go from different context to different context, especially when you're, you know, I feel like it has to cultivate a sense of, unity that other people might not necessarily get a chance to see because they're not exposed to as nearly as many um, contexts, you know?
1: Yeah, that is exactly right. That has probably been the biggest takeaway that I have had from my uh, past, my traveling preaching experience. Before I really start getting into the stories, I wanted to say a few things right off the bat. First off, um, I got to go check out this swag, man. I have i st- I've stalked your Patreon a little bit. I'm thinking about launching my own Patreon for my seminary life, and before I do something, I always kind of, I skim the surface, and look at other people, seeing what they're doing, and I'm like, so what's Joe doing? Because that's, you know, obviously we got the gold standard here, right, folks? Like this is this is top tier Christian podcasting right here. So, had to check out some of that swag, also. I wanted to say that, uh, yeah, I really appreciate this opportunity to get on here and to share some of these stories. Joe and I are both a part of a Christian podcaster group on Facebook. And about once a month or so, there's always a post that goes up and that basically says, Hey, if you're looking for a guest or you want to be a guest, shoot your shot. Just drop it in the comments. And I always drop in the comments and I always say... I have been a traveling preacher for eight years and I would love to come on and tell stories or talk about church revitalization and it's crickets every time. So thank you for humoring me. I have really enjoyed the other two episodes I've been on here on buddy walk with Jesus, but this has been the one I've been looking forward to the most because I finally get the open mic to tell some stories. That fascinates me because maybe I'm, I, I may
0: be, um, a little bit biased in my perspective because, um, as as you guys know, I'm actively making a play to become a full time um, missionary of some kind. Do, do doing missions work, ministry work, in in some type of full time capacity. So to me, in my very unique last four years, and seeing the power of of getting a chance to see different contexts, and and different things like that, it to me that is such a unique perspective that it almost seems like a no brainer to have that be um, to, to have that be showcased. So, yeah, it, that that fascinates me, but especially here. <laughs> With how diverse the audience base is from different parts of the world listening in, Uh, I, I think being able to speak that kind of pluralistic language will resonate with people here. So go for it.
1: Yeah. And, and like you said earlier, and also on that pluralism, yes, I have been in several different church contexts uh, for my own background sake. I grew up in the Baptist church. I currently go to a multi-site, non-denominational church. So we're still Baptist. And but as for me, myself, I don't really identify with any one particular group. If you sat me down and asked me questions I would line up with this guy here and this group over there and that group over there. And part of the reason is because of this ministry. I have preached in Baptist churches, Southern Baptist churches, churches, excuse me, uh, Methodist churches, Christian Reformed churches. Like I have been all over the place. And what is so fascinating for me in doing this is being able to see how everybody, even within the same denomination, How they do Sunday morning worship differently. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, the bad, and I better never do that in my own church. Because sometimes I do see things that are like, hey, this is really cool. I really like this. You know, there's one church. I am their, in case of emergency, break glass guy. Like, I'm not coming in all the time. I'm just coming in when the pastor has to do a funeral out of town or somebody tested positive for COVID and everyone has to quarantine. And what they do for the part of their worship service on Sunday mornings is they do hymns, modern day worship songs, and that new category of the early two stuff, the stuff we would have been singing as kids or as teens in youth group. And I really enjoy that because I'm getting to a place in my life now where I'm starting to feel a lot like the people who grew up on hymns and now they're being told we have to start singing these other songs. I'm starting to get that feeling of like, there's all these songs from my childhood that are perfectly fine. They're perfectly fine. Theologically blessed be your uh, blessed be your name by Matt Redman. Any number of songs by Chris Tomlin, a beautiful one, by Tree 63, I think was the group. Some of my favorite songs. I love this stuff. And we don't sing them anymore because essentially modern worship songs have a year and a half shelf life. And then we're on to the next big, most interesting thing, unless it catches on.
0: And it's unfortunate because there's such a need currently for scripturally accurate praise music. Now, there's a... Not all music has to be completely scripturally correct. It's not like that. But when you're talking about the stuff that you're singing in church, when you're talking about the Mm -hmm. things that are specifically geared to be worship music and things like that, yeah, there's a necessity for that to be scripturally accurate. And Mm. with... I I would be right there in agreement with you that I remember being in youth group and these things being popular. And now that I actually like, now that it, it, it means something to me now mm-hmm. at this stage in my life, it's like a breath of fresh air. And I actually have a, a Pandora station that's cultivated specifically for that era of Christian music, because I don't want to hear about me. I don't want to hear about the self. I don't mm-hmm. want to hear about the self-improvement. I don't want to hear about all of that. I want to worship God. And for my money, this and hymns are two of the easiest to find areas of worship music that's actually accurate worship music and not mm-hmm. just Christian pop fluff.
1: And speaking of which... Kind of on the ugly side. I don't know who needs to hear this. I don't know who needs to hear this. But if you're in charge of the service at your church, and for worship, you turn on an audio track to sing along with with your congregation, please stop. That is... I mean, I've seen some pretty cringy things, but that is by far the cringiest thing out there. If you are not at a capacity right now where you can be singing current worship songs, don't do that. That uh, you know, Joe and I, we've had this conversation of professionalism in the church, and professionalism absolutely can become an idol within the church, especially the bigger size of the church, it seems like. But there is still a place for bringing our best within ourselves, whatever that may look like to worship God. And I have never seen a church context where putting on the worship music in the back or putting on the audio track in the background has ever gone over well. Another one I've often seen is that there are some churches you talking about the language of what that we're using in worship songs. I've seen churches where we see, they sing contemporary Christian music. So not like Elevation Worship and Bethel music and all of those, but they're singing Lauren Daigle and Mercy Me and Casting Crown songs. And there's a difference. Even stylistically, there is a difference between what's played on K-Love and other Christian radio stations and the top 40 for them and what is intended worship music. The one that takes the cake, though, and Joe, you actually just saw this one because Joe's a good guy and has been dropping into some of my sermons. Um, I was at a church. I love this church so much. I have pre- I I love this congregation. Um, but they opened their service by singing Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. And I have had so many fun conversations with people about that. It's interesting because there's...
0: To speak to some of the things that you say, like as a musician, I can tell you that part of whether you like it or not, or want to admit to it or not, there is a layer of Sunday morning that is a performance. And Mm -hmm. there is a layer to worship services where you being off time, you being off key, not knowing the song, using a backing track that to, to basically do karaoke to, um, it, it, all of these things, they're entry ways to distract people away from worshiping God. So, yeah, if you're the one that's responsible for leading worship, yes, there is a layer of responsibility. Ultimately, it's about mm-hmm. God and it's not about you performing, but you are being put into a role of responsibility to. Lead everybody else into worship. There are some prerequisites that need to be filled. And if you can't do that, it's okay to get creative as far as not necessarily doing three songs and a sermon. It's okay to go off of that 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 very basic template. You know, yeah. uh, <laughs> that version of that song, the song, using the song itself, I'm fine with. Because I do think okay. that there is a recontextualization to some music that works. Uh, okay. When I first got saved, um, to to kind of date myself, uh, bring me to life by Evanescence. Oh,
1: I was a yeah.
0: huge fan <laughs> of that when I was when I was like an angsty teen, and oh, it's a, I was, it's, it's a bop. it's a jam, yeah. But when I first got saved i was reintroduced to that song and there there is an there is an an honesty to the lyrics of that Mm -hmm. song that if you put that in the proper context of a relationship between you and god and you are honest about being that barren and about Mm -hmm. being that desperate for help and need and all of those kinds of things that really is beautiful and so mm-hmm. I kind of re-fell in love with that song again. It's a secular song. People can squint and mm-hmm. cock their head all they want about Evanescence being a Christian band, but <laughs> that, n- no. And, and so that's, that's a recontextualization. That's okay. Mm-hmm. To me, what was more of the problem was um, somebody had a very hard time figuring out the timing of that particular song, and it threw everybody else
1: off yeah yes yes it did um (laughs) i've taught a in college i did a i was a uh, bible study leader for my dorm and i did a lesson once on what i've done by lincoln park i showed the video and we talked about it because that's another one that you can kind of i mean you squint and tilt your head sideways and by no means are they a christian group but there is a rawness and a spiritual honesty to that song But this isn't an episode on music, so let's get back to, um, yeah. So, how about a couple fun ones first? Because you know, you 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 do this for eight years, and you see a lot of different things, and (laughs) some churches don't care. So, I was at a church for a while where um, the pastor's grandson, who was allowed to run around and scream up and down the pews the entire service not worshiping but like playing and i just had to keep going i just had to i just had to preach and go i've had one of my favorite ones actually happened thus just this past fall two good ones one from this past fall i was teaching at our youth group actually i'm a intern with my home church in our youth group and we're doing a series on the armor of god and each week we're taking one of the different pieces of armor and just talking about it. So I was teaching on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, I don't know if you've ever tried to teach about righteousness to an age gap between sixth grade and seniors in high school, but it's a little tricky because it's all very like righteousness in of itself is kind of theoretical, not theoretical, but like, it's kind of hard to make it tangible. So I'm teaching and I'm going and Right dead center, right in front of me, is this 7th grade boy. And he's got, we have at our cafe, at the youth group, those glass bottles of Coca-Cola. You know what I'm talking about? Um, and we have back there, you know, like a thing to pop the top, because it's not a twist top. It's a, it's a bottle cap. You have to pop it off. Well, he didn't do that. He didn't get his cap popped before the lesson started so right there dead in front of me this kid is trying to rip the bottle cap off with his teeth as i am trying to teach about righteousness and i'm like in the zone i'm just like not paying attention keep going finally my friend annie she's sitting in the very back she comes all the way up front sits next to the kid and i can hear her she goes I will open that for you as soon as Brandon is done. You need to stop. (laughs) (laughs) I have never had anything quite line up that way before. The only other one that's really funny was, like I said, growing up in a Baptist church, uh, non-denominational church background. Joe, you might be able to relate to this. Sermons go for, what, 30 to 45 minutes, depending on... The church in the context, right? Yeah,
0: Twenty-five on the speaking. short.
1: Twenty-five on the short end, forty-five on the long end. Unless you right. I know for your international audience, probably their preachers are just getting warm-up warmed up at the 45-minute mark, but here in the States, 25 to 45 minutes. Cool. I get invited to preach at a Methodist church. All right, cool. Never preached at a Methodist church before. Cool. Ready for it. This is over the summer. The night before, it's Saturday night. I go to bed. My wife's out of town. I go to bed. I cannot fall asleep for the life of me. We're going on like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Never had this problem before. I am a heavy sleeper. So I finally decide. I'm like, okay, it's about 2 a.m. Like I'm just going to get up. I don't know why I'm supposed to be awake right now. I'm praying. But I'm just going to get up and work on my sermon just gonna pull out my and that's what i did i pulled out my notes got my bible out i think i pulled a book out on the passage that i'm going to be preaching on just kind of refreshing everything and then finally about an hour later i was finally getting drowsy so i'm gonna i finally fall asleep wake up the next couple hours later go to this church so i'm running on like three four hours of sleep tops i get to this church they have two services first one is this summertime first one is an outdoor service and then they have sunday school and then they have their second service so i get there got my notes i'm meeting people and i'm giving a bulletin and i'm looking at the bulletin and then i'm looking at it over and, you know scripture reading this prayer these many songs you know and then this special music this special music another reading and i'm looking at it and i'm i'm doing the time in my head i'm like this seems like a lot for an hour and a half. So I go up. I knew one of the guys there and I go up to him and I was like, by the way, how long does the pastor normally go for when he preaches? Oh, about 10, 15 minutes. (laughs) I've got like 45 minutes worth of material in my notes. Never. I, like, I should have asked. That seems like a question that I should have asked up front and not just assume that 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, you know, 10 minutes. And what he told me was, I don't know if this is universally true of the Methodist Church. This is my one and only experience with the Methodist Church is that they just get to the point. You know, you think about like sermons that we, you know, we would hear growing up, Joe, or like I hear on Sunday mornings of like you know you have like this introductory story you read the passage you you're very expository just like pouring into it point by point story illustration blah 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 basically at least at this Methodist church you just get to the point this is the passage these are the points I have for it and this is how you apply it you just really get to the point and the guy I knew who goes to this church was like, I actually prefer it. He grew up Baptist. He's like, I actually prefer it this way because there's a lot less fluff. We're just getting the meat of the material. Here you go. This is what this passage is about. So maybe I could have, I, I really think now retrospectively, even though I was very tired, God kept me up that night. So that way I could be that much more confident without my notes. And I just went up there and, all right, here you go. Here it is, and just did it from memory, and it it worked. I hit my times, which when you've got double services like that, especially at the first service, timing is important. But yeah, I've not had one like that since then. I'm fascinated because I at first at sniff test you
0: said that, and I'm like oh oh why, but at the <laughs> same to uh, at the same time like. Yeah, I mean, we I, I've talked a lot about, um, I'll be honest, poking fun at some of what is done from behind the pulpit in America and things like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like there could be a virtue to that, so long as there's still plenty of meat on the bone in other sure. regards. You know, that it's not just getting to the point of, you know, um, all right, so we go through and we're going through the beats in 10, 15 minutes and we're out the door sort of sort right. of thing. Like, it just, I feel like in, in the right context, that could be powerful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can't say though I've ever heard of that before. I have heard about churches. I've actually been to a church where there is very, very small church in mm-hmm. the town that I grew up in. Um, there, if, if ever a place that was a light in a very, very dark town, this place is doing it. So I got to give them credit, but it's very much a, um, come as you are to the degree that if the kids are acting up, you just keep going that they don't like, it's just accepted. It's not, you know, you're not treated like, Oh, you've got to go out to the thing. That's a plus side. That's great that, you know, mm-hmm. we don't ostracize parents with kids because kids aren't small adults, right. but at the same token, it's distracting, we'll call it, little to, bit. Have, little to bit. have a kid, you know, going to town and all that kind of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, it's not all rainbows and sunshine and butterflies. I wish it could be. I wish it could be. Um there's a lot of weird conversations that you can sometimes have with with this type of area. One thing that's fun for me is people have no idea what in the world to call me because I, I I appreciate this I've told you this before off I've told you this before off air of I appreciate the fact that you call me Pastor Brandon. Um, technically, I'm not ordained anywhere so you don't have to. But I appreciate that you see in me the qualities of this is what a pastor is supposed to be. This is what a pastor is called to do in Scripture. Um, but because I'm not technically ordained, there's a little bit of confusion, you know, there at the end of the service when you stand in the back and you have to awkwardly talk to the guy who just got done preaching. People don't know what to say. Uh, I've One of my favorites is seminarian because I am in seminary which I think you said that's kind of just like splitting hairs at that point, which it kind of is, but it sounds cool. It sounds like, you know, some like fantasy tale. Like this is a, the people from seminaria, like that's, you know, I'm a seminarian. Um, I've also gotten reverend a couple of times again, kind of splitting hairs of like pastor, no reverend. Well, Billy Graham was one. So we'll go with that. Um, Just a bit of a note, honestly, If you want to walk through that line there at the end of the service and shake the pastor's hand and say something to him, that's fine. My encouragement, if you want to be an encouragement to your pastor, if you're going to do that, pinpoint something specific that you enjoyed in the sermon. If it was a stupid story that made you laugh, fine. I I don't know if this is going to make sense to you, but here in Chicagoland, it does. There was this one time I used the illustration of waking up on Sunday morning. I told the story of how when I was a kid, every Sunday morning I would wake up to the smell of my dad cooking cinnamon rolls in the oven and Bozo the Clown on TV. And end of the service, some guy like made a beeline for me and told me how much he loved Bozo the Clown. Like that's what he took from my sermon. If if that's what you got is like a cool story or you know something you read during the week resonated with you, and also it kind of came up in this sermon, those are the things you should tell your pastor, okay? If not, just shake his hand and say the thing that we all hear a thousand times on Sunday mornings. Good sermon today, preacher. That's what we hear a lot. The best one, the one that takes the cake, though. I was at a Southern Baptist church doing the receiving line, and this woman walks up to me and says, Hi, I'm not Southern Baptist. I'm Catholic. I just come here with my husband, and that was really good. That was the whole thing she said to me. That was the coolest thing anyone has ever said to me after a sermon before. I, <laughs> the weirdest thing ever. Like the weirdest combination of things there. But that I, I liked. It was cool. That's funny.
0: Yeah, I. So for me, and this is an area where I've gotten some. Pushback, and and an area where I really think that this kind of combination of this unique audience that God has brought together and your unique perspective on this whole ministering thing, this whole um, preaching thing, all of that kind of stuff is, you know, we have pretty clear cut in the Bible. The qualifications of a pastor, right? Mm-hmm. We have laid out what the shepherd should be, what qual, mm-hmm. what personal qualities that pa- that that person should have, and all of that. So it's it's mm-hmm. pretty cut and dry, you know, that you can pull mm-hmm. from, and it's not listed in there. Oh, must be ordained. Sorry, you can meet everything else, but it has to be an ordination thing. I get it. I would say I'm probably as receptive as I've ever been to the process. So when I use that word pastor, A, you're doing the job. You're just doing Mm -hmm. it at different locations. You're not doing it consistently at one place. Mm -hmm. Kind of like what we see out of the people from the Bible. I'm just saying. You know, over on Systematic Ecology, Brandon and I, it's its the worst kept secret in, in Systematic Ecology that generally if you see one of us, you're going to see both of us. Sure. We are on the air a lot together. And mm-hmm. so I've had the opportunity to walk alongside this gentleman for a minute now, and those are all qualifications that you hold. The biblical qualifications Of a shepherd are all ones that you hold. Yours just looks like a different kind of track than what you would look at as a stereotypical preacher, pastor Mm -hmm. sort of thing. You get to touch the lives of multiple people in multiple contexts in different areas, all of that kind of stuff. And to me, there's something really special about that. There's something really unique about being able to do that.
1: Yeah. And in some cases, you know, there are cases where one and done. I'm never back again. Plenty of churches like that. But then there's other churches like uh, this one Christian Reformed Church. That I've preached at there 20 times maybe over the past several years. So in that case, yeah, I am building relationships with people. I'm, you know, I know people by name. I'm friends with them on Facebook. I, It's a joy to see them when I'm visiting and preaching that Sundays. They had a chili cook-off earlier this month for their church and they invited us to come, my wife and I because we're just I I would I told them actually I wanted to be one of the guest ju- celebrity judges, but they you know they they were excited to see us when we came. So it's it's good for us and it's good for my wife and I because we also both grew up in small churches. Like I said, we go to this big multi-site church now. And some, sometimes going to these smaller 120-sized churches, that tastes more like home to us still, even to this day. Now, of course, everything's not, like I said, sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes you get to the back and people want to wring your neck. I've never been, like, really taken apart. There are two types of critiques. There are opinions and feedback. Rarely does feedback actually come. I did have somebody reach out or come up to me after I got done teaching at youth group once, my friend, one of my friends, Victoria, she came up to me and said, Joe, this might resonate with you. With my mental health problems and my mental health irregularity, I rely a lot on self depreciating humor. I I can turn into Bo Burnham up there and just tear myself up. And it was one of those nights where I was not in the best frame of mind, but I even opened the lesson by addressing that and saying, we're going to pray because I'm not really all here, but we're going to trust the Holy spirit through this time. And I got done. And my friend came up to me very nicely too, because knowing that I'm in this fragile state, she said, you need to stop tearing yourself down so much. These students are, want to hear you teach. They trust you. They want to hear what you have to say. And tearing yourself down like that isn't helping that. And in all of my preaching and in all of my teaching and in all of my studies, I also have a minor in communications. I've taken a good chunk of communication presentation classes, public speaking courses, and that really hit with me even though I wasn't necessarily in the best frame of mind, I was immediately like, oh yeah, that does make a lot of sense. I'm tearing down my credentials, if anything, which we can get all into the public speaking versus preaching thing sometime because I probably have a very different opinion than most people would on that. Um, So that's a good example of feedback. Then there's criticism. Way back in the day when I first started doing this, I got done. I was an intern at a different church, actually, I preached that Sunday morning. I don't remember where I was out of in the text of scripture, but I get done. I get to the back and this one guy comes up to me. He never talks to me. Okay. He had never talked to me before at this church. And he came up to me and he said, this was a smaller church. And he said, there was a visitor here today and you did not share the gospel in your sermon. And so that was a missed opportunity that person could be going to hell and just walked away. And, you know, I'm, I'm a really young guy. I'm really young at this point, just right. Fresh out of college, 21, 22 at this point. And so I reached out to uh, a man. I would call my mentor at that time. And I was like, did I really screw this up and told him the story? And he was like, if the text of scripture, if it was natural to bring up the gospel through the text of scripture, absolutely you should have done it but if you were on some very specific topic that you know a gospel invitation wasn't going to necessarily come from it i that's that's on him like that's one of my favorite ones though is matt youth group i can't remember what the series we're doing i think we're doing like the life of a christian what is a you know what is what does it look like to live out christianity and i am given the passage micah 6:8 do justly love mercy walk humbly with your god do justice seek mercy or seek justice love mercy walk humbly with your god so i go up there and i'm teaching and you know talking about justice and i'm trying to do the passage Well, justice. Like, I don't try to be some big social justice warrior, but when the Bible talks about justice, we need to principalize it. So I talk about, you know, areas in our country where Christians can step into, you know, issues with um, gender inequality, issues of race. Do the lesson. We get done. One of the leaders comes up to me and he tells me all the reasons why America doesn't have a race problem. Why there is no racism in America. For context, this is 2019. This is 2019. Yeah. So, this is... Before the events of 2020, the Black Lives Matter movement, George Floyd, the whole shebang, which caused a whole other set of things to happen in the churches, in churches. But I'm listening because when criticism comes like that, the best thing to do is just to shut up and listen. That is what I have found. In the few times I've had to receive criticism like that, just shut up, listen to what they have to say, and then... Go talk to other people. So, I got a group of people together who was also there, other leaders. And I was like, Was I getting all like social justice, like real heavy on the social justice? And they were like, No, no, I think you did the passage. And like, I'm a little bit more left of center when it comes to this type of stuff. I was talking to people who are way more right of center, and they were like, No, you were fine. So, Not all criticism is good criticism, I guess, is the warning here. Um, Yeah. If you have an opinion, you can share it with your pastor, but just know it could go that direction as well. Well, I think what you're talking about there is a valid thing to
0: keep in mind for anybody. You know, we've talked about previously this whole idea of being teachable, being humble enough Mm. to be able to... Understand that there is always somebody who has walked further than you have walked in the direction that you're trying to walk. And so there is a beauty to being teachable and being humble enough to hear from somebody else. That's part of it. The other part of it is when you stop, and this is something that I'm still very much working on myself stopping to listen to somebody else might not necessarily point something out about you, but will Mm -hmm. certainly likely point something out about them and be a learning moment, even if it's not directly, hey, valid point A of something you did Mm -hmm. wrong. It's still a teachable moment. Even if it's teaching you something that a thought process that exists out in the wild that you may come across or, you know, that that may be something that you have to contend with at, mm-hmm. at some point, you know?
1: Yeah. And I will say this person who came up to me, they handled the situation really well. They weren't screaming at me. They didn't make a big scene in front of a lot of people. If I remember right, I, I may have just been by myself and he came up to me. He was very straight to the point made his point very clear and i just heard him out on it i will say yes that is a good way to learn about other people's opinions because i want to let you know not everyone's going to agree with you and there are some pretty far out there all ideas and i'm not just talking about issues of race and justice just in general there are some pretty far out there ideas with that some people have and i have no idea where they come from but one thing i have noticed which i have also noticed happens often when people get uncomfortable about the conversation of racism and injustice in our country is deflecting and they brought up saudi arabia which i apologize if you are from that country and you're listening to this episode i do not i'm not here to dig on you but that is what people often do. They immediately deflect and say, well, what about that country? What they're doing to their people. Right. Okay. How about this? Let's try to pull the two by four out of our own eye before we go try to get the speck out of someone else's eye. Just saying.
0: Right. Yeah. There is, there is a, um, I'll call it rather significant portion of the buddy walk community that, um, is, is, middle eastern in in descent okay and so i but with some of the conversations that i've had with um some of the some of the members from across the world that what you're what you're talking about isn't something that is like jarring to them mm-hmm. there okay you know that because there is a reality to the fact that mm-hmm. outside of outside of america the entire context of the conversation around rights and persecution mm-hmm. and all of the equality and justice and all of those kinds of things, that conversation changes because you're, an enti- mm-hmm. you're in a different part of the world, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's exactly right. Where in America, just by basis of fact, right, not even just standing here being, you know, pro everywhere else except for America the reality is, is that here we have a tendency to be like, well, at least we're not so and so. At least we're not this country. At least we have this freedom, or whatever the case may be, whatever mm-hmm. whatever analogy point. And you know, it's that whole idea of okay. So what you're telling me is, as a cr- as a country, and this is applicable on the individual level too. You've walked. Mm-hmm. I don't know five miles, right? Well, what if you? What if your destination is in another five miles? What if where you're mm-hmm. going is in another? You got to keep walking, you know, mm-hmm. or you just have it without putting a putting a definitive, you know, marker as far as a destination goes. You're not at your destination yet. So what do you got to do? You keep walking. Where you going to stop? Because you made it five miles up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm good. I'm done. I don't want to. I want to go any further. You're, you're not going to get to where you're going. Mm-hmm. You know what right. I mean? So
1: yeah, yeah. And by the way, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you to some of your listeners because you were on my show recently uh, within the past month. And after the episode went up, there was a couple new follows on my social media and a whole other new country on my list of listeners. So thank you, by the way, for dropping in and checking my show out and buying into the ministry over there. Just wanted to say that real quick. Before we start wrapping it up, I have to tell you the best story. It's a bad, it's a sad story, but it's the best story. It is the story, wait for it, of the time I got kicked out. Oh, boy. Okay. So, there was this church in my, uh, not far from me, that I had caught wind. They had two pastors, both in their 80s and one with dementia. So... I got this idea. I had been into this preaching ministry thing now for several years. Had gotten a lot of reps. And although normally I go into churches that the pastor is on vacation or sabbatical or the church doesn't have a pastor, I thought to myself, maybe it would be good for this church to once a month give these two a break. I will come in and preach. That was my idea. It's a very old-fashioned church. And I mean that literally. I had to write a letter and send it in the mail to them. Should have been warning number one. Um, I get in and I visit and it's a lot of older folks. A high demographic of people who lived in eastern Kentucky and moved up north to work at the steel mills here in Chicagoland. That is a whole that is a whole thing. That, that is a normal thing that you hear around here. I know he's shaking his head, but that is a normal thing you hear about uh, about up here in Chicagoland. It's why I'm here. Uh, my granddaddy moved up north from Kentucky to work at the steel mill. That's how I'm here. Um, anyway, so a high concentration of people from older folks from this area in Kentucky, some younger families, two deacons, they wanted to see the church grow. They wanted, They knew that the church was dying both physically with the people there, uh, just getting old and passing on, and also spiritually, the church was dead. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. They are part of a denomination called Enterprise Baptist, and go ahead and make all the Star Trek jokes. This is a real thing. Um, This is a denomination that is very Southern in its approach. Not Southern Baptist, but very Southern. All of their hymns, their hymnal predates Bill Gaither. So all of their hymns... Oh, wow. All of their hymns were very much that, like, Southern revival-style stomping and clapping type of songs, which was fine. Heard a lot of different hymns I had never heard before. But they... Interestingly enough, all dealt with the same topic. Ain't it great to be saved to be going to heaven? Someday I'm gonna cross the shore and go to heaven. And truly, looking back on it now, that was this church's entire theology. You got saved to one day go- die and go to heaven. That was right. that was it. That was the whole thing. And that was mirrored. You can see that you know y- your church's philo- theology is going to be evident in everything the music that you sing the ministries that you do or don't do they didn't do anything they did not support missionaries financially they did nothing and any ministry that they tried to do you know having someone come in and do special music like southern singers and or doing you know the trunk or treat i don't know if that's a thing out by you In uh, the Pennsylvania area But this like alternative Halloween thing For church stuff Anytime it was immediately Why do we gotta do that That we're spending money So And I had heard The one pastor preach Twice, two different occasions A year apart, I was there like a year and a half Identical sermon Revival style sermon. Ain't it great to be in the house of the Lord today? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Some people don't want to go to church anymore because there's too many distractions out there. Jesus died for you. The devil's going to get you. You're going to hell. Heaven's great. Jesus is coming back. Both sermons, almost identical. Which, that speaks to the theological health of the church then. Of this is the literally the only message who cares about Earth? We're gonna die and go to heaven. There was a whole bunch of other things. The one deacon confided in me that he think that he he had no evidence of this, but he was suspicious of potential financial fraud stuff that may have been in the works as well. But in my young and dumb naivety, I went and I preached, and I preached. And I preached and finally it was, I remember now I had to think about it. I got done preaching one day and normally one, the one deacon would get up and say something kind of like, you know, reflectingly like, I hope you treasure up what Brandon has to say today. And I knew the answer was always no, because I could, I can tell, the preacher can tell who's listening folks. He, we're not dumb. We know who's paying attention We know who's just sitting there and who's listening. Two different things. But he would normally say that. This time, the deacon wasn't there. So the one pastor gets up and he says, It's my daughter's birthday. I want everybody to sing happy birthday to her. Just like doesn't even acknowledge the sermon. And I get in the car and I look at my wife and I said, I am so tired of this theology. I am so tired of this. This is going nowhere. There were people who were bought in. There was people who they were starving theologically for some rich teaching. And once a month, they could get it from my sermons. But for the most part, the majority of the church there, they didn't care. Not at all. And I expressed my frustration to one of the deacons, and he agreed. And he talked to the pastor about it. The pastor was not happy about it. So I agreed to meet. Because I should. If I'm upset, I should agree to meet. So I go to this meeting with the pastor. And I'm expecting... My expectation is we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about why I feel upset about the church. He's going to, you know, explain whatever. Because it wasn't so much the fact that they sang happy birthday to his daughter. Whatever. It's a small church. Small churches do quirky things. Whatever. It's the fact that nobody cares about their spiritual growth here. Nobody cares. Sanctification was thrown out the window decades ago. I get to this meeting and instead it's the pastor lecturing me on how how I handled the situation was incorrect. That's how gossiping starts and how he was very hurt about it and I quickly realized that again like we talked about earlier criticism you should shut up and listen you know take it in but I quickly realized this isn't about me and how I feel about this situation at all I upset the basket here so I took it took it right on the chin Joe if if he threw a hook and just nailed me with it and we get done and I you know I told him I said I apologize for hurting you. I apologize for causing this situation. Will you forgive me? Yes. And then I said, with your blessing, I would like to continue to preach if that is okay with you. Yes. Never called me back. No. Never called me back. So was I literally excommunicated from a church? No, not technically, but... I was never invited back. I tried. I talked to the deacon a couple times and he was like, he doesn't. Marion doesn't care. He doesn't want you here. So
0: Yeah, it, unfortunately, you know, I, I I've said before and I'll say again. Some stereotypes are born out of a place of reality, at least at some level. And mm. you know, is is every single Southern revivalist old church like that no no but there absolutely is a dimension that this is a reality and that is exactly what bore out this stereotype that this is in fact a thing because it is a thing it's just not as much of a thing as people sometimes make it out to be yeah and that's something i feel like you have to you know I've said before that you can't learn how to do missions from a classroom. You can't learn how to mm. do ministry from a classroom. Uh, it's it's very much like cooking in that way. Mm. You're in the restaurant business, and I we would always get these kids right out of culinary school, thinking that they're chefs, all of this kind of stuff, and you know, thinking that they can. Um, you know, run a restaurant because they learned how to cook in a classroom. You can't mm. learn how to cook in a classroom. You can learn theory from a classroom. You can learn a lot of sure. things from a classroom. You can't learn how to cook. Same thing with practical application of missions. This mm. That's entirely different because that, that means that you have to do the reps. That means that you have to learn and experience, and sometimes experience stuff like that. So I think that that, to me, is perfect training ground for a much more effective pastor because you've seen, you've been, you've done, and you're not even third.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can remember when I was in college, I took, in my senior seminar class, we had to do a case study. We were all given individually a different case study of here's a, basically, here's a fiasco that happens at a church. What do you do? And you know that was helpful but that was the one and only time and it didn't mine didn't look anything like any of these situations i have described to you today you know there is something to classroom training has its place and so does actually getting out there putting in your reps you know i joe and i were both wrestling fans so if this if this one only makes sense to you that's fine Shawn Michaels is my favorite wrestler and I've read one of his two autobiographies and he talks about how when he first got into the industry the best advice he was ever told was be quiet, keep your head down, do what you're told. And you know what? there's tr- you know what there's truth to that. There's truth to you just gotta get out there and do it. You know you 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 get your classroom time, you do your reps out in the real world. You're patient, you keep your head down, you take it on the chin, you're teachable. But most importantly of all, I would say is you hold on to those moments where you actually see growth. It doesn't happen very often, especially in my type of a situation where I'm bouncing around from churches frequently. I don't get to see fruit born. I don't get to see fruit coming out. Other pastors, they might see more because they're in a church situation for longer periods of time. But when you hear about, hey, you preach this sermon and then a whole committee was formed afterwards to make sure, you know, not just a committee, but a whole ministry is formed afterwards because our church doesn't have a welcome committee. And we we think that we need to be more hospitable in our church. And your sermon put that on our hearts or students. I taught a lesson once on dating and This is a whole story if you want more stories about my lackluster dating record, but I'm the one talking about dating one night at youth group. And I'm trying not to sound like the pastor Chad, who's just going to be all purity culture stuff. Um, And I'm teaching this lesson and talk about how, you know, dating can be fun, but you need to have a long-term end goal in dating. Like you need to be wise about why are you doing this? Come to find out a week later, one of the students broke up with her boyfriend because she realized there is no like spiritual end goal in this. There is no this is not edifying God. We're just kind of like here to just have fun. So, you know, I've broken up relationships before with my preaching, but you hold on to these moments where you actually get to see people come up to you and say, here's all my notes. This meant so much to me. I needed to hear this this week. This has been difficult and you treasure those up. And that's like money in the bank that you can go back to that when you're at that church, who, who you are just sick and tired of, this is going nowhere. You have all these other memories of all these other times where the word of God has touched somebody's life and transformed them. And by God's grace, you were the one who carried that message. Not because of anything you did, but because of God's grace, you were the messenger. <laughs> Before we
0: bring out, why don't you go ahead and let people know where they can find you?
1: Sure. So again, if you want to keep up with me, I have my own show. It's called My Seminary Life. It's where I talk about the stuff I'm studying in grad school right now. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I think it's a lot of fun. Occasionally, Joe shows up and other people that I know, and we talk about other weird and wacky things related to Christian life and culture and blah 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 so you can find it wherever you get your podcasts you can um follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at my seminary life pod you can email the show email seminary life and tell me your questions complaints poems limericks sonnets whatever that's an old joke that my professor used to have one of my profs used to have and uh, <clears throat> yeah I might start sharing some more of my sermons up on the, my seminary life Facebook page as well, because, you know, this seems to be the area where people are, you know, here on buddy walk, I'm kind of more known as the, the, uh, preacher pastor guy. So I might start putting some of those over on the, my seminary Facebook page so you can see them. So thanks for having me back. Great. Yeah. My, my
0: pleasure. i you know, the, the doors open anytime. So you want to go ahead and, uh, pray us out. Sure.
1: Heavenly father, we thank you for this opportunity to celebrate you. We're here to, you know, we got into this episode today to have some fun, tell some stories, see how you have worked it with some wacky, crazy people that you love so much. Uh, father, We thank you for the good times where we get to see your spirit working in people's lives. And we thank you for the hard times, the hard conversations, the times where we have to take it on the chin and trust you that you are still there and that you are using these situations for a reason. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this ministry. We pray your hand a blessing upon it and that it will continue to be uh, an encouragement and strengthening to its listeners. And we pray all this in your son's name. Amen.